You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 641 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Tuesday evening as I am talking to you right now. You will probably know by clicking on this podcast that most of the uh, show on this part one is, uh, and, and part two, I suppose, as an interview that I did with Robbie Callen, the great Robbie Callen of uh, Dime and Uprock Sports, a longtime Hawks follower and watcher and someone who's covered the team for a long time. So stay tuned for all of that. But before we get to Robbie and myself talking, just me for a while to give you a news, uh, a, a brief news update with some other stuff. Um, first things first on the agenda as of Tuesday evening, uh, Lloyd Pierce told both Sarah Spencer of the AJC and Chris Kirshner of The Athletic that Kevin Herter had a, quote, unbelievable day, end quote, at practice on Tuesday. That's a very, very good sign. Both uh, of the beat writers essentially said that all signs are pointing to a return for Herter in the near future. Uh, nothing official in terms of Thursday's season opener just yet though uh, the Hawks have to release an injury report on Wednesday afternoon so that'll be the first time that there's a definitive word probably in terms of Herter's availability but for now all signs are pretty positive when compared to the last couple of days which is a good thing obviously Um, I still don't think that he'll have a full workload as someone who hasn't played a basketball game in quite quite some time I can't imagine him playing you know 30 minutes for instance in the season opener but if if he is available that's very very good because you know in short he's the third best player on the team in my opinion and they badly need a shooting Um, not to mention his secondary creation the fact that he also projects as a solid enough defender Uh, Kevin Herter is badly needed on this team and hopefully he'll be ready to go on Thursday Um, to that end the Detroit Pistons who the Hawks play on Thursday in the opener in Detroit will be without Blake Griffin that is a, a Obviously, something to file away for this particular game because Detroit, um, while they projected to be better than the Hawks this season, but that, that definitely includes Griffin and he's their best player. So, you know, the Hawks still have to go on the road against a team that is decent enough. But without Blake Griffin, it's a much more favorable situation for Atlanta. So we've talked ad nauseum and we'll talk again with Robbie on the next on the podcast that you're about to hear about the schedule that the Hawks have to face in the in the coming days. The first 22 games are brutal, but, you know, the game one is now a lot easier than it was supposed to be having to go on the road still, but I guess the team that does not have Blake Griffin on it. So something to also file away there. Uh, a couple more things before, that I want before we get to Robbie on the podcast. A bunch of preseason, you know, win totals and power ranking stuff came out this week that I want to at least touch on briefly because people were asking me to do so. Uh, the ESPN, the ESPN, ESPN RPM projections, lots, lots of, uh, lots of letters there, um, came out again. Updated from Kevin Pelton, thirty point seven wins was the projection there, twelfth in the Eastern Conference. Um, Pelton was actually asked about this on a podcast with Brian Windhorst, if you, if you want to hear more about it, but he also wrote about it a little bit as well. No huge surprise, no no real change actually from back in August when it comes to where the Hawks are in that particular system. Power rankings-wise, the Hawks are 23rd in ESPN's power rankings in terms of their, uh, their sort of their forecast, ones that are not necessarily metrically based. They're 22nd on CBS, 24th for NBA.com and John Schumann, 24th on The Ringer. USA Today was the highest at 20th for the Hawks. Um, No big surprises there. It's kind of the same range that we're all talking about. The Hawks do have some upside beyond that, clearly. But, you know, most people seem to think that they're going to be landing in that 
bottom, you know, seven or eight of the league, and we'll see how that comes into fruition throughout the uh, for the full course of the season. Um, I did I did uh, tweet about a quote that was shared by Tim Bontemps of ESPN on the Brian One Horse podcast, saying that a lot of internal and even external projection systems don't like the Hawks that much in terms of the numbers for this year, and they're projecting basically relative stagnation from last year in the win loss column. That does not that that does not surprise me. I've heard a lot of the same. Um, that does not mean everything, by the way. Sometimes these systems are not necessarily accurate. For instance, teams like Portland and San Antonio seem to outperform them almost every season. But that is also why I have what I've been hearing for a while now about this team and this Hawks team for this year. You know, a lot of that could be tracked to the Hawks being very, very young and relying on players that are unproven. For instance, the projection systems probably do not treat DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish as positive assets. Um, Reddish might not be one necessarily right away, but Hunter, I think, is better suited than most rookies, for instance, etc., etc. So I don't really care too much about that, but it is worth at least pointing out that for the most part, um, the systems don't love the Hawks this year. Um, a good friend of the program, Tyler Jones, pointed this out to me. Uh, I, can't, I believe it was offline, so shout out to Tyler on this. But I, I, I do agree that there's some... There's some noise here with people sort of referring to a straw man argument. Uh, I think for the most part, I'm not seeing really any prominent people in the media industry actually projecting the Hawks to make the playoffs. But if you hear people talk about it, you you might hear some push pushback against that like sort of flawed premise and that straw man argument. I agree that that's sort of out there. At the same time, there is real buzz, and that's a good thing for this Hawks team. Um, so I think people are sort of pushing back on that um, naturally. I do think, though, you know, my, I've been talking about this Hawks team for, for weeks and months now, so no surprises from where I'm coming here. I think I'm, I'm going to be projecting a low 30s win total. Nothing crazy, but some improvement from last year, still relatively modest, but uh, worth pointing out that I, I do think some of the skepticism that's been put out there is kind of pushing back against a straw man, and that, that is certainly worth noting. Uh, last thing on the agenda for this particular intro before we get to Robbie is the fact that the Hawks also had to release their official heights, um, and the media guide came out. In fact, the Hawks actually released a media guide. I tweeted about this, and then they actually changed it after the fact to round all of these heights. So worth, point, worth pointing out as well. If you want the original, you can find it on my Twitter feed, at BT Roland. Um, but the official heights, basically everybody got shorter on this Hawks team, almost everybody anyway. Kevin Herter, Godfrey Hunter, and Jamari Parker and Cam Reddish all stayed the same. Herter and Hunter at 6'7", Parker and Reddish at 6'8". Everybody else got at least one inch shorter. Um, in terms of their previously listed height. Bembry is now 6'5", Charlie Brown 6'6", John Collins 6'9", and actually he was listed at 6'8 in the um, original one before it got rounded up. Um, Alan Crabb 6'5", Bruno Fernando 6'9", Brandon Goodwin actually lost 2 inches down to 6 feet. Uh, Damian Jones 6'11", Alex Len down to 7 feet is the only 7-footer on the team. Chandler Parsons 6'9", Evan Turner 6'6", and Trey Young going from 6'2 to 6'1". No big surprises there, and that's kind of a league-wide trend. You know, most of the time, we talked about this uh, on an earlier podcast, but the uh, the no-shoe measurements are about an inch to an inch and a half uh, lower than the shoe measurements, so that kind of checks the boxes across the board. But if you're looking into the heights, and that's been sort of a topic of conversation that's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun honestly, in the last couple of weeks, that is now available. And if you want the full list, I, uh, I tweeted about it on Tuesday. So... With that said, it's time to get to Robbie Robbie Callen. Just for the record, uh, this is a two-parter because of the length of the podcast. I'm going to try something new and break it up a little bit here. Um, but part one is mostly big picture stuff. Um, if you if you missed it on yesterday's podcast with Jeff Siegel of Early Bird Rights and Peachtree Hoops, we talked a little bit about 2021 free agency and how the uh, the pickings are now pretty slim for that group. 
Robbie and I started off by talking about that a little bit on this podcast. Um, so that's that's going to be what, most of what you hear in terms of what you're going to be hearing on part one to go along with this intro of, of news catch-up stuff. And then in part two, you will hear Robbie and I going back and forth on, on the upcoming season with the Hawks with some uh, sort of final thoughts, I suppose, on the upcoming campaign. So uh, the podcast you're listening to right now is part one. And uh, after a short break, we'll be back with Robbie Kelland. Robbie, welcome to the podcast. It's been a while, but not really. We, we, we were talking before this started, but uh, now we're recording. So, how are you, my friend? I'm well. It's uh, it's almost it's almost NBA season time, or I guess probably when this goes up, it will have been NBA season time. Yeah, uh, we are just for just, just so everybody knows we are we are talking Monday night into Tuesday. So if something crazy happens, mm-hmm. we don't know about it. Um, but I'm I'm holding this. It's, <laughs> I think it's going to post Wednesday morning because I, I, my my podcast with Jeff Siegel went up on Tuesday, and I want to post mm-hmm. all the big guns in one day. You and Jeff Siegel? Are you kidding me? Um, so uh, yeah, this is going to be held for about a day and a half, and hopefully, hopefully the, the world will not burn down. But honestly, from a news perspective, there isn't much that can happen, um, mm-hmm. barring a Kevin Herter injury update that we don't have. Um, the deadlines passed for extension stuff, and there's just not too much going on for right. the Hawks. So that allows us to get away with this. Indeed. Um, I guess speaking to that a little bit. Uh, we teased this a little bit on the podcast the last couple of days, but you and I talked about this a little bit before we got going. But what happens? What happens a year from now? Like, what happens when the, when the Hawks have seven have seventy million dollars and nobody to give it to? Because Man. you, you Brand, are uh, Brandon Brandon Ingram, Ingram offer sheet is coming. That's a that uh, that's something I would not enjoy because that uh, uh, the fit, or so I mean like the fit there there's nobody great. there there's nobody out there like I was looking through. I was looking through this today and trying to figure out like, like who, who is out there. And like, look, when, when Woj sends out the tweet of like, here's who's left and Damian Jones makes the cut. By the way, while we're here, Woj, throw, throw your, uh, throw your boy DeAndre Bembry a bone. How's he not on that list? <laughs> Be- Bembry, uh, Bembry is Brandon, so much better than Damian Jones. Hang on, hang on, let's, let me, let me, uh, let me, here's the five names that he, that he said. He also, he would go on to include Bogdan Bogdanovich later. Who was and, mi- and miss and misspell Bogdanovich, which is great. Love you, Woj. I really do. You're great. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Jakob Pertl, Thon Maker, Malik Beasley. Thon Maker is Damian, bad. Like, and Damian Jones were the guys that made, made the cut on this tweet. Bembry's better than uh, two of those guys at least, if not three. Bembry's better than Thonmaker right now today. I, I tell you that right now. And Damian Jones, obviously. So uh, I, I had you, DeAndre. Just yeah, let, let, let that be known. But no, but I mean, honestly. Just like that, when that is a, a genuine list that you, you put out, when everybody signs a contract extension, I think part of it is uh, Amick, Vicini, a, a, a bunch of folks noted that the China stuff and the potential uh, salary cap implications have kind of spooked some guys into maybe taking extensions rather than banking on free agency, not knowing if the cap's going to go up or down because of that. Um, that was noted in, in when uh, when Heald signed his incentive-laden deal uh, with $20 million in Ap- incentives. Apparently all of the deals now, like that's just going to be standard operating from now until the end of time, is that all of these deals are going to have a bunch of incentives in them. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how this goes because it's kind of funny. Like for for years, it's been like oh, like NBA contracts, they're they're the fully guaranteed ones, and that's changing. I think uh, 
I think teams are looking at it as like, this is kind of how we can meet guys in the middle. So particularly with the healed one, I mean, he got the same exact amount that we had heard uh, was being offered him the, the four for 90. I think he got four for eight, six actually guaranteed. Yeah. And then they tacked on, I think it was 10 mil in likely incentives and 10 mil in unlikely incentives. Um, and it's all how it works with the cap and all of this. And uh, Sabonis's deal has like two and a half million each year that is dependent on him being an all-star, which like ain't going to happen. Maybe one year it could, but he would have to be uh, unbelievable. But like, that's not happening. So like uh, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's going to change how we have to talk about these things. We have to talk about contracts the same way we talk about uh, NFL contracts, which is guaranteed money first. It's obviously not going to be as wide of a berth. Uh, where like sometimes you have like an a hundred million dollar contract with thirty eight million guaranteed. What, what was the, the one? NFL, uh, like, was okay. it was, was it a Donovan McNabb was like the first one of those that was like completely fake in every single way? Yeah, Vic's first hundred mil was too. Yeah, there uh, were there have been a couple of those contracts that were like, just, okay, well, give me the actual jokes. amount. Of the, <laughs> yeah, it's like just jokes because they're like ten years and like. There's just like non guarantees after year four. So what is like, the percentage chance that this person is going to end this contract still on the team? <laughs> right, zero. None. So, uh, but so we're not going to get that, but we are going to get, like you said. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to start uh, looking at these incentives and stuff, and and that's where it comes in handy having friends like Jeff Siegel who can explain those to you. Yeah, full circle. Shouts to Jeff Siegel. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, next summer. I mean, to get back to to your initial question, uh, next summer, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the Hawks do. I think uh, you have to consider them. If you're the Hawks, you at this point looking at who's going to be available, uh, you have to be looking at this trade deadline as like, how can we get in the mix to get a pick and eat a bad salary that maybe is two years of salary? Because we got to eat into this money somehow. Uh, when you have Parsons, Turner, and Crab all coming off the books uh, and leaving more than sixty million between those guys alone coming off the books, plus Alex Len, plus Vince Carter, I, I mean, it's it gets it gets really interesting. Um, so, like, I I think you know people have somebody was like, oh, could they could they take Batum? And it's like Charlotte doesn't have anything you want. You know, like they're not giving up draft picks. Yeah, and why are they gonna at this point? If you're Charlotte, you're not gonna pay anything. No, you're not paying anything because because you're gonna be god awful anyway. Right. Uh, you just roll into 2021 and and be fine. So that that, that might have made sense if Charlotte was in the luxury tax. That that's what you're really looking for as a team in the luxury tax. It's just trying to dump salary. So go find go find Houston because Tillman needs cash. Um, (laughs) Tillman always needs cash. Tillman Tillman needs cash. We gotta pay Dana Holgerson somehow. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's going to be. I think you're going to, you're going to see them trade for somebody at the deadline and try to pick up another draft pick or something. Um, we're still early in the rebuilding phase. Uh, I think that's the nicest way to put it, uh, with how it seems Schlank is approaching this season. I I know we kind of discussed this in in a little more black and white terms before, but it's like, I, I I think he's still slow rolling this and, and, and looking at this season as, Asset acquisition once again, um, and, and it's not going to be the thing that fans want to hear. It's not going to be the thing that that fires the people up to do this again. <laughs> uh, 
but we are we're we're doing it again. I mean, you I mean, you look at the moves they made this summer. They could have kept Deadman, um, which would have helped this team immensely compared to what they're doing at that position right now with Alex Len and Damian Jones. Um, and Bruno, noted, don't, for, don't noted, forget Bruno. Noted 2020 free agent Damian Jones. Um, but no, I, hot, hot commodity. He's, but I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, that's, that's what I see happening. I think they're going to look to maybe, maybe they'll find, maybe there's a guy on the market they look at and they, they think they can give, yeah, they might spend the they, they might just have to spend the cap space the way the Knicks spent it this summer, which is two year deals with team options and non guarantees and just kind of kick the can along and try to start start bringing some guys in. But there's not even a Julius Randle to go sign this summer. Like there's not even a guy at that stature that's in the right age range of what you want. The only that, the only guy that I and I've said this before. And by the way, this is the same conversation that Jeff and I had. Um, yeah. he, he brought up the Knicks, too, which is kind of funny that you guys did, did that independently of each other. But uh, Derek Favors is the only player right. for me that I still, would pay. Um, sure, and but not, he also doesn't fit your timeline. I mean, he's not as old as people think he is, but he's, he's, been, not but he's been around a while. I think he's 27. Yeah, one of those things. 27, he's, 28. I mean, he's like, not he's, old, but he also, to your point, does not forever. fit the timeline Perfectly, right. he's and that's that was the argument against Deadman. By the way, is that Deadman was right. considered to be old, and that is sort of, sort of true. But yeah, it's you I've also said this need for a long guys time. that can play. Yeah, I mean on the unrestricted on the unrestricted market, market there was never anybody available. Like Anthony Davis was the only guy, yep. and he's not going to be available. We think so. Everybody else, I've said forever that there's nobody out max. I mean. Andre oh, no. Drummond is going to be the number two free agent on the market if he's even on the market. Like he has right. a player option. Yep. So, yeah. So that was that led people to the restricted market as like a beacon of hope. But those guys are all gone now. I mean, Brandon Ingram is the only player. And even if you like Brandon Ingram, and I'm sort of agnostic mm-hmm. on Brandon, Brandon Ingram. But with the Hawks It's not roster, a good fit. You, That's what yeah, I mean. with the like, Hawks roster, you can't. Because no. he's, a, he's a two guard. And he, and he needs the ball. Like, mm-hmm. He's not a great defense. Like, there's lots of things about Brandon Ingram that are not great fits in Atlanta, right. what they already have. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've known this for a while now, but it's, it got driven home really big <laughs> yeah. this week that they're going to have to get creative <laughs> and take on salary. And you know, Stephen Adams has been a, has been a popular sure. guy. That would be fun. I'm in I for would, that. I mean, I'd like that. Here's the thing: is like, and I think this is where the frustration comes in for folks with the the asset acquisition stage is like. At some point, you do want your guys to be playing in a more competitive environment. There is some value in eventually taking that step to mediocrity and still not being a playoff contender, while still not, while also not being a high lottery pick contender. Um, and that that's, I, I understand why why this year they say, okay, like let's let's do this again. Let's play the young guys. Let's see what we've got. But they, they desperately need a stabilizing force. I mean, when you watch this team, it's just there are just moments where guys are lost because they're young and there's not not necessarily the adult on the floor that can kind of corral guys and say, like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Like defensively, there are just there are some moments that are it, it gets bleak on that end. Um, and you can use a guy like Deadman, and you can use a guy, you know, like you mentioned, favors. Like 
So I, I, I'll be interested to see what they do to try to bring somebody like that in who can actually play and isn't just a bloated contract to absorb uh, picks. And, and, and look, like, I'm all about the long-term vision. Like, I understand the, the playing it out that way. Uh, but this, this summer, there's not a ton of guys out there. And I'm, I'm interested to see how they go about it because I think they know next summer they need to start taking some kind of step forward because you're, you're going to lose the people. Like people are, ex- are super excited coming into this season. Uh, if they struggle again, as kind of, I see them struggling, you better do something next year to, to get them fired up. Because right now you're, you're rolling off of the excitement of how it finished last year where Trey and John and those guys look great. You bring in two top 10 draft picks. People are really fired up about them. Uh, Cause even the, even the guy who has the most question marks in Cam Reddish has, has like a pedigree and people have known about him since high school. So people are like fired up about this, oh, even yeah. if there's lots of questions about what he can do, especially in his rookie year. If they struggle and they're, basically the same team as they were last year as far as record-wise, like high 20s, real low 30s. Uh, going to take some work to, to get the people fired up again. Yeah, um, I think they're going to do, you know, if nothing else, there's a salary floor. Like, they have to spend some They're going to spend. They're so, going to spend. But I just, I'm, I want to see if they, who they take the swings on. Yeah, uh, that, basically. It's, it's the biggest and, question. And, and just... And how they do it, and again, I think it starts this trade deadline. I think you're going to see them make make moves to bring somebody in. And again, it's it's going to be a question of is it another Alan Crabb, Chandler Parsons type guy where you don't really expect them to play, uh, and they're just a big contract to bring in a pick alongside, or do they actually do they do they deal for somebody that maybe can contribute but has a contract that's a little too big for the whatever team for next year? And move like crab for somebody that could come in and shall Steven Adams. That, that's Steven Adams. That's the there, one. There is I mean, there is a reason why he is the most popular person that we that we discuss in yeah, uh, in Hawks Twitter I mean, land because it, 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 it checks be, all the boxes. It does, and and he and again like that's that's the type of fit you want. You want a you want a guy that can come in and doesn't you know demand the ball because you want Trey and John to be the focal points there. But having somebody that knows how to do it. And also, Stephen Adams has been on really good young teams, so he can, you know. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic locker room guy. He's a little bit overpaid, so sure. the Thunder have reason to shop Incentive him. Incentive to move, yep. Like, there's, yep. It, it checks all, he plays defense, he rebounds, yeah. he plays, he does all the stuff that you want him to do. So, yep. it's obviously not a, not, not a one-player situation, but sure, he's sure. the kind of player that just makes a lot of sense. For sure. To improve the team and also doesn't clear your cap space, because even if you did that, and you know people are going to have some sticker shock with the with with the price tag. Yeah. But even if you add Stephen Adams, you still have you know forty five million. Yeah. In space. I mean that's the thing. You you, you got to spend that money, man. And uh, there's not a lot of guys to do it with. And you don't have a. Lot, and the other thing is they don't have. They're not going to have like a ton of roster spots. Like you've got. There are some, but they when you have all the, all these young guys who are cheap, you're, gonna, and yeah. you're, you're also going to have more draft picks next year. Uh, so unless you're planning on just having one, one first rounder on the team, but like, if you have a second rounder, you like, like, well, I mean, they're going to have two first. I mean, if people, if Brooklyn makes the playoffs, they have two first rounders. So So, like you got, that's, that's two of those five spots gone, especially if Jabari picks up his player option, which 
wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I, you have to assume he will. There's obviously a situation where he doesn't because if right. he plays well, he probably opts out of it. But for, for planning purposes, you have to assume he's going to opt into it. Right. Because... So that would be five roster spots. and whew. Yeah. So yeah. it, it gets yeah. dicey in a hurry. I mean, this is obviously most of the conversation for the future. But yeah, yeah, yeah. to your point it's about – just, It's just interesting in this context of the extension deadline happening and just kind of, like you said, solidified – how thin it's going to be. And it is something, something to look forward to for this season, because I do think there's some posturing to be done at the trade line to assist trade deadline to assist with eating into some of that future cap space that they, there's just not guys to spend on next year. No, it's uh, it's bleak. And I know uh, most fans are just going to say, man, they time this, they, they time this terribly, which I can't argue with that, but at, yeah. the, at, at the same time, it doesn't. It's not the end of the world. Like there are other uses. No, of, it, there like, are other uses of cap space than just signing max free agents. There's sure, no other sure, sure. you can do. So it's going to be okay. Everybody's going to be yep. it's going to be fine. Okay, and that's going to do it for this podcast. We will go to part two. So please go ahead and click over to part two, subscribe to the podcast, and all that fun stuff. And we'll be back again uh, very, very shortly. As part two should be waiting for you in your podcast feed.